the best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce not just one, but two guests from Boise, the capital of the US state of Idaho. Ruth Howard teaches children from age ages 7 to 12, while Debbie Aholt is an instructional coach who has been working with Ruth, supporting her for the past three years. Debbie and Ruth, welcome to Short Films Teachers Love. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me about this relationship that you have. I think it's fantastic that um, that you have instructional coaches, and, uh, and I think we need to do that more in Australia. How, how does that work? So as an instructional coach, I um, am at the um, elementary school all day. I'm, I'm assigned to one school and I work with teachers on best practices to um, that, you know, will improve student achievement. So I will go into the rooms. Um, I will do a lot of co-teaching. Um, we'll do planning together. I'll collect data for the teacher. I'll help them with their reflective processes. Um, and so that's how Ruth and I met. Um, I was hired as the instructional coach here at the school. And Ruth opened her door and said, come in, come in, come play with me. And that's how our friendship started. So um, so I actually had been already teaching here for uh, three years prior to Debbie coming. Um, and so I was so excited when we got an instructional coach um, because uh, I, I want to grow and I want to learn. And Debbie... Uh, Debbie was amazing because uh, she's amazing at uh, building upon your strengths, but also helping you see your weaknesses and and giving you feedback on that. And so there was a lot of um, instructional things that she would point out and then model for me, and then I would get to do it, um, and then she gave me feedback on it. And it was it was just amazing, um, almost like a coach for football, like gives you feedback on how to improve. And so I feel like I am a very different teacher. Um, today than I was three years ago. It's so good because, you know, being a good teacher is about being a good learner as well. So you're almost modeling what you're trying to do with the students in building good relationships and encouraging everyone to be learning, aren't you? Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and Ruth didn't speak so much on this, but I've learned just as much from her as um, she, you know, may have said she's learned from me. But that's what this relationship's about. Um, and so it's, I, yeah, I think being an instructional coach is one of the best jobs out there right now. It's really a great. Fantastic. So, Debbie, you, you have a number of teachers in the school that you work with then. Is that right? Yeah, I work with the entire school. So I work with, yeah, so I work with all the teachers. Um, and, they, you know, whatever their goal is, whatever they want to work on, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, um, Ruth, your your students that you're teaching age 7 to 12, I, I, I still don't think I've quite got my head around the American system because, um, you know, in our primary schools, grade, you know, prep up to grade 6 is you have one teacher, you know, for each year level, but the, the teacher spends the entire day with the, with the group of students. But it sounds like there's something different that you, that you have. Well, here at Meridian, we are at Title I school, and so I actually did teach uh, for four years. I did teach just third grade, um, which is our eight- and nine-year-olds, and then um, I taught first grade, which is our six- and seven-slash-eight-year-olds. Eight um, uh, as a title teacher, I worked with uh, first graders through fifth graders and helped in reading and math, so students who were 
struggling or um, even sometimes students who are ahead. I was just helping um, for 30 minutes different groups of kids um, meet different goals. So I had 10 groups a day. So I did a half an hour of reading with first graders and then a half an hour of math with first graders and then a half an hour of reading with second graders, half an hour of math. And so just all through the grade levels all day long. So it was really great because I um, got to work with a whole school of kids and um, then get lots of feedback from Debbie on different instructional strategies for different groups of kids. Excellent. Well, let's get to the first film that you've recommended, Abbott and Costello, Who's On First? <laughs> well, let's see. Now, we have on our team, we have Who's On First, What's On Second, I Don't Know's On Third. That's what I want to find and out, the guy's name. And that, uh-huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, Who's On First, What's On Second, I Don't Know's On Third. Now, Abbott, you no. want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, Who's On First, What's On Second, I Don't Know's On Third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. This, of course, is a, is a classic. It's so impressive. Just the memory that those guys have, you know. How do they, how do, how do, they do that routine? And it's probably just because they've done it so much that they've, they've got it down pat. Um, you talked about using this in the context of reading fluency. So I, I, my first question was, you know, um, do you actually have the whole exact transcript or script available for that somewhere that students read from? Tell me how that works. I did a shortened version for my third graders, but I did have the actual transcript. Um, uh, I shortened it up for my third graders, but the longer one for my fourth and fifth. And um, yeah, so they did have the whole transcript in front of them. um, And it was awesome. (laughs) It was so, so much fun. Um, I showed them the clip first um, and then said, you know, this is what we're going to do. And at first they were like, a little bit hesitant because there's that pacing back and forth. Um, but after a couple of times of practicing it, they were, they were incredible and they were loving going back and forth and having that, um, that dialogue with someone else um, that they normally didn't get to have already. And that's what Ruth does such a great job of is engaging those kids. Um, you know, these are older students who um, really, you know, they don't want to practice their reading. They feel like they know how to read, um, even though their rate is very slow and needs to pick up so that um, their comprehension will improve as well. Ruth does an amazing job of going outside the box to look for ways um, to keep these older kids engaged in that repeated reading because uh, most of those older kids do not want to read the same thing more than once. So um, that just is a great, she finds those great motivators. Yeah, so you're adding in this performance element. You're encouraging students to really get into it. And I, I guess even do it a number of times and try and get faster like Abbott and Costello themselves, yeah? Yeah. And that was really fun um, because... Uh, the faster they read it, the the um, the more they wanted to read it again with a different partner because they're like, oh, well, you're reading it just as fast as I am, <laughs> which then, you know, caused a little bit of tension of like, well, I, I can read it faster. And um, and <laughs> so then there's the, there was a really high engagement and they really did want to keep going because they kept comparing themselves to the video of like, oh, well, I had I just I sounded like totally like him. <laughs> It was really cool. And the comedy aspect of it too, you know, being being comedy just naturally draws us all in, doesn't it? 
Have any of them seen it before? Are they familiar with it when they come in to watch it? No. <laughs> no. Um, I had to explain it to a lot of them. Uh, they, they were like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, and so then I, after I like drew a picture and I was like, these are the names. And they're like, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Would you use it um, over a number of weeks or just one class period? Or is it, you know, how, how long can you stretch it out? We did it. We did it for a whole week. We did it for a whole week. They'd watch uh, clips of it again and then try to model it and they would switch up with different partners. Um, they were getting to the point where they really wanted to videotape themselves and were getting a lot of the expressions, um, especially uh, Costello's expressions with them, like the <laughs> hand movement. Um, so, no, we I, I yeah. did it for a week. You probably could bring it up. Quite a few times. And if you gave that performance piece where they got to go to another class or, you know, perform in front of other people, that would certainly extend it out. Beautiful. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which we've chosen as For the Birds. For the Birds is one of that set of amazing Pixar shorts that came out when uh, Steve Jobs was sort of changing changing the world through animation, I think, in those early days. You, you've talked about using this in terms of story structure. Uh, tell me how that works. Why why you chose this one? So uh, when, when I first started using this, I used this with my third graders, and I also ended up using it with my first graders too. Um, what I noticed is in their writing, um, is that they have a really hard time telling a complete story. Um, often it will be like you just throw in a character and <laughs> throw out a problem and magically the first time they resolve it and the story is done and the story is about this big in about three sentences. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we were looking for different ways and I was picking um, Debbie's brain about how to how do you teach kiddos how to write a story? We know how to tell them, but we can't seem to translate to that to how do we write them. Right. Um, and so uh, Debbie had recommended uh, kind of trying some different strategies. We had found a story template um, and then we started, she had started introducing videos. And so we started using a, a video <laughs> clip and I found the Pixar uh, and loved the Pixar because they're short, sweet um, and really funny. <laughs> um and so I started showing a clip of that, and then they, the kids got to watch it the first time, and they loved it and enjoyed it. And then we watched it again, and at different points I would stop it, and they had to map the story. Um, and it was only after repeated mapping of lots of different stories did they finally see there's a pattern. There's that introduction. There's that problem that the character tries to resolve it. They fail, they try again, they fail, and then there's finally this, um, the climax and then the falling action and they're able to solve it. And their stories got so much better. Um, but I remember telling Debbie it was like six weeks of yeah. continually. Of the we do, doing it together. Because, but it was, it was almost like they had to memorize that pattern. They just, it, it was so much easier to do with someone else's work 
you know, to um, use someone else's work to say, you know, and then to be critical too. You could use someone else's work for the kids to say, I like that ending because, or I like that introduction because, um, then to do their own. But, um, you know, it does take students a lot of practice to get that. So, and you've got that, um, there's, there's a couple of things that strikes me. You've got that immediate engagement because kids will be watching this stuff on their own, you know, as entertainment, they would be just consuming this stuff all the time. So straight away you've got that hook and you've grabbed them and you've grabbed their interest. But the other thing is it sounds like what you're doing is you're encouraging them to not just be consumers of content but to start to think about what it is to be a creator and how to do that well. So um, it, it's a good transformation that applies to lots of areas of learning, doesn't it, where we, we go, oh, that's amazing, that, that looked easy, but to... Oh, what does that mean for me to do it to myself? You know, that's what learn really good learning is about, isn't it often? It was a neat opportunity for them too, because um, typically we used um, stories, you know, we use textbooks or, you know, picture books. Um, they're used to that. So it was neat for them to see, you know, that stories are in everything. And that was probably the biggest hook mm-hmm. uh, was that then they would start to, um, watch other Pixar short films because a lot of them did have internet access and would be like, well, I watched this one and this has what happened. And then they would start kind of mm-hmm. um, making up their own endings and own stories before we actually, before we actually even started <laughs> that, which was great. <laughs> yeah. And and in the story itself, you know, the character, I don't know whether it's the, uh, there are different species of bird, I think, aren't they? There's the little kind of tweety ones. The blue and the crow. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And so speak to me about what, what observation some of the students have had about, you know, that, that relationship that builds up between the crow and the, and, and the bluebirds. Because initially you're trying to work out what's going on, you know, why are these little birds doing their thing and, what, and, and are they, you know, in competition or they don't like him or, you know, it actually takes a little while to work out what, what's actually going on. And I think that was the best part is because there are no words, the students really have to infer, which is also another great skill that they don't get a lot of practice with is inferring what's going on. And so part of that story structure had little uh, two little people um, and we colored one as the crow or you know some exotic bird and the one as the bluebirds and they had to put emotion with it. So we were kind of building up their vocabulary. A lot of our students don't have an adequate vocabulary to describe. Usually things are happy or sad, um, not frustrated mm-hmm. or jealous or um, uh, lonely or, uh, you know, just different different feeling types. And so uh, that was really cool because they were able to say, you know, um, <laughs> well, the crow right now is oblivious. He thinks <laughs> this is great. And all the other ones are, you know, feeling like superior and they don't want to be his friend. And um, so it was really cool to actually have kids kind of explain why. And they came up with the craziest reasons of why they didn't want to be his friend. Like, uh, obviously he smells bad. And I, well, why, why do you think that? Well, cause he does. And well, what, ev- what evidence do you have that supports that? Well, nothing, but it's just, here. Just trust me, he just smells bad. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, but that I think was also important is they got to see, uh, you know, everyone's felt lonely and then, you know, had people walk away and not be your friend. And then 
they love it when the bluebirds get their comeuppance and then are raining down and uh, they love that part. <laughs> There's justice. There's justice in the world. Mm. So in terms of outcome, it sounds like a, a fantastic um, tool to be able to, you know, something where you can start with the kids and they're hopeless or they, as you say, they write little short stories. And then at the end, after having gone through this exercise, you can go, wow, I can actually see that they've learnt this. And as a teacher, you know, you're always looking for how can I measure that learning has taken place? You know, would you say that this has a, a, a measurable outcome that you go, yes, I've taught something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they actually did write their final stories and we actually published them. And so that was a requirement of their stories is they had to have that conflict. They had to have at least two characters, a setting. They had to have um, the character encounter several obstacles and fail and then wrap it up at the end. And then that was really cool because Debbie gave yeah. me a lot of feedback on how um, that led into writing mm -hmm. and the writing process. And um, students weren't used to getting feedback about how to improve their work. So we spent a lot of time working on that. I mean, it just... Working in, you know, we gave them other samples of students' work to to look at and how to talk to each other. I mean, they, the whole feedback piece was huge. They're used to getting it from their teacher, but not from their peers. And so that was fun to work with Ruth on that um, from a coaching perspective to show her how kids can provide feedback for each other and how to structure that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, that's actually a good segue to the, the last one we're going to look at. If I knew then, a letter to me on my first day of teaching. Dear Lila. Dear Joey. Dear first year me. Hola. Hey kid. Remember when dad said that the first six months of anything is the hardest? Well, that is completely true here. Everything is going to be okay. Things may seem tough right now, and at times you may feel like you want to give up, but please don't. Just know that you'll make a great teacher. You are probably wondering why in the world did I ever get into this profession? Fantastic short film that is done by Soul Pancake, who I've, I've known for many years, and they do some great stuff. And I know lots of schools here in Australia um, love their resources because they're so, um, they're very accessible, they're very engaging, but they also get to some deeper truths and, and bigger ideas about, about learning and even spirituality, which can be a hard thing for for, you know, different schools to touch on. So this, I would imagine, comes up for you in um, in the mentoring, you know, supporting teacher relationship that you have. But um, so per perhaps, Debbie, um, is this one that you use for your professional development sessions? Yes, of course. And um, in fact, I was using it last week. Um, I was working with um, teachers that are going to be mentoring uh, first-year teachers. And, you know, we forget sometimes in our field, once we've been teaching for eight, you know, eight plus years, I think we forget what that first year was like. Um, and we forget the depth of knowledge um, that we have gained over the years. We just do so much that we don't even think about anymore. Um, and so it's so important for us to put ourselves in those shoes of that first year teacher um, but we need to stop and to think about it and do it. So this is something I use with my mentors um, to help them work with those first year teachers and to help them think back, what was my first year like? 
Um, because I think sometimes as colleagues, we can get frustrated with some of the uh, first year teachers because you're like, they're not like me. They're, they're not, they don't balance a hundred things at once, you know, like I can do now. Um, and we weren't always like that. We didn't start out that way. And so it's a nice reminder. Yeah. And, and first year, it's so everything is fresh. Everything is new and everything you've got to invent from the ground up. And you have too many late nights and there's... You and you don't, know, you don't know that there is an end to it. Um, you don't know what the end feels like, you know, and, and you don't know that um, what you're doing will have an impact on a child um, and that you may not even see it within that first year. Um, that impact you had on that child's life could come years later, um, you know, but in the moment, sometimes you just, you think I'm not going to survive this. What is this? You know, what's going on? Mm, mm. Yeah. And so I, I like using it with um, our more veterans um, teachers um, to help build those relationships because I think it's important that we go to those first year teachers and they're constantly encouraging them and uh, keeping those teachers in the field because they're amazing and they just need lots of support. And just a lot of times just someone to, you know, listen to. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you picked up on the using it for the for the veteran teachers. You know, I guess you'd naturally think, oh, this is this would be a great one to encourage the fresh teachers. But but you're actually talking about bringing the, the veterans back to go, remember, remember what it was like. Yeah, I encourage the veteran teachers to write their own letters um, to and to share with each other. What was your first year like? Uh back to there. And also, I think it helps the veterans feel an appreciation for how much they have learned. I, I, I spend a lot of my time um, listening to teachers. And I, I just I don't think um, they get enough credit, you know, we praise them enough for all that they know and all that they're able to do. And so sometimes it's nice just to stop and write yourself a letter you know, thinking back to that first year. Good, good. Um, so just a few more general comments I wanted to explore a little bit before we finish up. Um, and and one is, um, you know, where, where you go to find content, you know, is it always, is it just Google and YouTube? Where do you, um, how do you, how do you find good content and how far out also, you know, is it the night before as you, as you walk into class or is it, you know, is it a master plan for the year? Give me a sense of that too. So, um, you know, as a coach, I do appreciate uh, 24 hours to find content. Um, when a teacher's looking for something, you know, I, I try to, well, let me get back to you tomorrow um, with what you need. I'll send it to you. But also as a coaching network, we share videos with each other if we come across something um, that we think would help each other, we will share, um, share, you know, videos that way. We'll say this was great for, I was working with a teacher on this and this video really helped. Um, cause we use a lot of the, um, you know, and then I use a lot to teach, um, I'll plan way in advance. If I'm going to do professional development on an issue, I'll always put together a playlist that then I will send out to the teachers so if my topic is um, engagement, I put together some videos or some thinking prompts, um, or if I'm working on cooperative learning, I always put together a playlist of five or six videos that then um, when I'm done with my training, I will say, and I'm sending you the link to all the videos that you've seen today so you can use them with, their, with your students. So whatever I use with the teachers, I try to make sure they can use them with their students as well. 
And that's been really great because then as a teacher, then you can go back and, and select, um, like, uh, Debbie did a training on, uh, on, on using thinking props. And I used one with my first graders about friendship. Um, and so she had already had a link with the video and the thinking prompt. And so then I, I mean, I was able to use it right away with my students. So that was, that was really, really awesome. And sometimes the, the videos that I choose, it's, you know, um, we had an, we had one time when the we were working on transitions, you know, the kids transitioning from the playground to the classroom. And we're trying to make that time a little tighter. So, um, you know, so I said, well, here's a collection of um, videos that are not very long, but you push play when that bell rings and see how quickly they come inside. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, particularly if they're good and, and, and funny or whatever too, isn't it? Right, they don't want to miss them, you know. It just highlights to me, you know, the way that you, because, you know, uh, probably the bulk of my life is on the other side of it actually as a filmmaker and as someone that's, um, you know, trying to create content that's useful for teachers. And your conversation today just highlights to me how much, uh, you know, just the focus that you have on, the different ways that we use film it's it's not it's not just for explaining a topic it's not just for you know hooking someone in there's all these different reasons that we go well this would be good and you know it's it's whatever it takes is whatever it's gonna get that that teaching across the line you know so i i get worked up about you know well it's got to be a good quality short film and it's got to you know be well made and it's got to be you know but just it's just got to work <laughs> and, and sometimes you know in the shorter the better uh you know you, you it doesn't have to be long to be you know really engaging and on a, on the really practical note so the playlists um i mean i know you sent me that youtube playlist so is that the kind of thing you would just share that in an email and say look there's the link to my youtube playlist or that's exactly how i do it so as a coach i if you were to get onto my youtube channel you'd be like oh my goodness i can see all your themes and <laughs> but it will have it will have things like uh learner friendly culture um might be one of my headings you know, so what are some videos that are going to, so whenever I'm on YouTube, maybe looking for something else, if I come across another topic that fits in with my realm of work, because really as a coach, um, there aren't a lot of topics that I work with teachers on. I mean, there's some real basic ones that come up all the time. And so those become my playlist um, headings. And, and as far as sharing that then, so, um, you know, is there ever an issue with YouTube? I mean, I... I know that there has been resistance to some schools in Australia even getting access to YouTube. You know, I think those days are passing, but, the, you know, do people stream them? Do they try and capture them and play them first, you know? No, we're good. In fact, we our uh, morning announcements come over a YouTube channel. Um, and um, as a coach, I'm really into feedback, or, you know, student feedback. Um, I go out on the playground um, and I'll ask students, you know, like, what is a learner? And I'll do this video. And then I put that on the YouTube channel and I share that out with the staff. That's great. And so the idea of um, having some content that's just within the school that's sort of not available for everyone else, you know, is there questions of privacy sometimes for doing that sort of thing or not so much? Not so much if you, as long as you don't have the names with the faces, if it's just the faces, um, you know, our parents have assigned, you know, they've, they know our, our, um, you know, what our rules are, and they've signed off on agreements with that. So. Anything you want to add about that, Ruth? I, well, I guess the only 
only thing that doesn't get shared is if, if uh, like when Debbie is, is taping me for, for something, right. then that's never, that's never shared. That's, of course, confidential. Um, but, but we do have waivers that parents have signed that their kids can be videotaped. Because I do use a lot of video with my job. Um, we use video all the time. Um, with the job so and which is fun too because then you know sometimes you can take a video um you know like I videoed Ruth the other day that we'll use for training videos for teachers next year so that's exciting to be able to do that good good all right well just to finish off with I always like to ask teachers their earliest moving image memory starting perhaps with Ruth can you remember anything that was special for you Okay, it's really <laughs> the last unicorn. <laughs> I think was my earliest. Unless it's in school, is it in school? Then it was uh, Black Beauty. I think it was the first movie I ever saw in school because um, we had read the book as a second grader and had watched it. And I was crying. It was so sad. <laughs> So I am much older than Ruth, so I will go back and date myself to, uh, of course, Star Wars, right? That was, uh, I remember getting to stay up super late and my parents getting a babysitter for my little sister and getting to go was like incredible. You know, that was the best. Um, But I, you know, as far as in school, you know, as I was going through school, um, we we didn't see too many movies. But, you know, I do remember as far as when you think of um, broadcast or things like that, my most memorable moment would be when I was in um, school and seeing the Challenger crash, watching the space shuttle take off. Um, It was a big deal because I remember my science teacher being one of the finalists um, for the teacher in space, and we had all gathered in her room. And... I, you know, I wasn't that old, but I, re- I mean, I was in high school at the time, and I, I just remember being in the room with her. Um, that was super, you know, that was a super emotional time. Yeah, definitely. What a, what a moment to, to remember, particularly at a, at a young age of, of thinking how close your teacher could have come to, to being on that disaster. Yeah. And I just remember thinking it was so neat that we were all gathered in this room and we were getting to watch TV and watch it live because that was not something we did in classrooms. We didn't have TVs in the classroom. The teacher had really gone out of her way to make sure we had a TV that worked and, you know, and we could watch this. And um, so that, that was that was a big deal. You know, I, I remember that that piece. So you've been around long enough to have watched the change of the, the role of, of films in class, haven't you, too? Oh, absolutely. And just as a teacher myself, you know, I started teaching in 92 and um, just how much I use video and just in being accepting of it as an instructional tool, that's been huge um, to go ahead and let it be a benefit to the classroom. And because um, there was a time when it was teachers really kind of fought technology, you know, that it's and so it's been really it's just been a real incredible ride to watch it be embraced and to see the good, you know, come out of it. So. Excellent. Thank you very much for taking the time. You've had lots of um, comments that I think will be really helpful for other teachers as well as they explore um, short films for their own teaching. So thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Find all the links from this episode on SoundCloud, including Debbie's YouTube playlists. 
Join us next week on YouTube for the edited highlights of this conversation.